I speak to you this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Look with me, if you will, at our epistle lesson from Paul's second letter to the church, Second uh, Thessalonians. We're going to look at the first uh, half or two-thirds of that, because I think that uh, what Paul is trying to speak to the church in Thessalonica speaks to us as well and speaks to our situation uh, today just as uh, relevantly as it did uh, to, to the church in Thessalonica. In verse uh, 13, he begins, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So the first thing that Paul says is we ought always to give thanks to God for you. I think it is important for us to remember as Christians that we are called always and everywhere to be thankful for all that God has done for us, all that God has given us as his people in good times and bad in happy times and in sad we are called friends to be grateful to give thanks and paul is writing and begins this section of this epistle by telling the people that he is thankful for them and look why he's thankful for them he says uh thankful for them because god chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. See, God chose them to be saved just as God chooses you and me to be saved. God is the chooser. We do not get to choose. We live in a world, I think most of us, where we are overwhelmed with choice. Uh, I can remember a time when uh, you got to choose in the grocery store between one item. That was your choice. If you wanted something, uh, you chose that. That was the choice. You could choose to go to the grocery store or not go to the grocery store. Now you go and there are, is a whole aisle in Walmart of red salsas. <laughs> Hundreds of choices. God chooses us. We ultimately don't choose him. He first loved us. That's why we're able to love him and why we're able to love each other. God chose you to be saved. God chooses us to be saved. And he chooses us to be saved through two things. Number one, through sanctification by the Spirit. And the word sanctification is a... Uh, fancy theological word that literally if you boil it down to its roots sanctification means that God is spiritually cleaning us up from our sins over time we become sanctified we become more and more the people God has created us to be and again we don't do that ourselves sanctification look with me if you will in verse 13 it says sanctification by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in our lives and draws us closer to being the people God made us 
to be and over time purges us little by little from our sins. Friends, we cannot do it on our own. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit and we are made worthy to be saved by belief in the truth. Paul writes, <coughs> friends, the principal work for us as Christians always is simply to believe the truth of the gospel, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and to believe the truth of his life, death, and resurrection. This is the way, friends, that we are saved. God chooses us, the Spirit sanctifies us, and we are moved by that Spirit to believe the truth of the gospel. In verse 14, look at it with me. He goes on to say, To this he called you through the gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, God is the principal mover. Just as God chooses us, God also calls us as his people. He calls us to salvation. He calls us to the truth of the gospel, to the grace, to the hope, and to the forgiveness of of life in him. God calls and God chooses. We are the recipient of his faithfulness, of his grace, and of his love. And he says that he calls us through the gospel. See, friends, it all happens through the lens of the gospel. Everything that we are, all that we have, and all that we ever will have happens through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are called through the gospel that we might obtain Christ's glory and as the church we might reflect that into the world. So it's important for us to remember that God calls us to the gospel and God calls us through the gospel, through his life, death, and resurrection. That is how we are called. And then God gives us uh, our marching orders through Paul's words to the Thessalonians in verse 15. He says, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So Paul has told the people of the church in Thessalonica that he gives God thanks for them, that God has chosen them to be saved through sanctification and belief and that they were called through the gospel, and now Paul is giving them a charge, and I believe the charge is for you and for me and for the church today as well. It is just as relevant for the church today as it was for the early church, and the charge is twofold. The charge is to stand firm, and the charge is to hold to the traditions that they were taught. Friends, this is our call as Christians to stand firm in the faith. We live in a world that is increasingly hostile to the gospel message. We live in a world that is increasingly hostile to the Christian church. In just two short generations, we have gone in this country from being a country that embraced the church and embraced the gospel to a country that was more or less ambivalent about the gospel. A lot of folks didn't really care one way or another, but at least they kind of left 
the church alone, but you only need to turn on the television or open up your newspaper to know that the world that we live in today is increasingly hostile to the church. It's no longer ambivalence. It's open hostility towards us. And we are called to stand firm, to remain steadfast, immovable, rooted in the truth of the gospel, established in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then to hold to the traditions that we have been taught, to hold on to the historic faith that has been passed down for generations, for over 2,000 years now. That's why we say the creed in church every Sunday as a profession of our historic faith, holding to the traditions we have been taught. That's why we confess our sins. That's why we read scripture in church. That's why we gather in fellowship with one another, friends, to hold to the traditions we have been taught. We come together as God's people. Uh, and we do that when we gather here on Sundays, when we go to the table. We do that when we gather on a Thursday night to eat fried fish. Um, we gather together as God's people as a means of holding to the traditions that we have been taught. So brothers and sisters, uh, my prayer for you and for me is that we would remember that it is God who does it for us and in us and through us. And it all happens through the gospel. Everything that we are called to as the faithful happens through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, brothers and sisters, God chooses us. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, God saves us. And through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, God charges us to stand firm and to hold the faith. Friends, this is the gospel message that we are called to as the church. This is the truth that we are called to believe and to share in as God's people. God chose us to be saved. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us and makes us presentable to God. Friends, Christ calls us to relationship with Him and with each other. Our job is simply to believe it. So brothers and sisters, stand firm in the truth of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Hold to the faith that has been delivered to us as his people and believe the truth of the gospel. Stand firm, brothers and sisters. Keep the faith. Trust God's truth. The Lord is faithful. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.